Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Don't Remind Me. On today's episode, we're talking sex education, and I'm getting pretty mad about it. But I'm not mad about our special guest, Kevin. Kevin, say hello. Hey, guys. In today's episode, we discuss the weird world of abstinence education and the disservice it does to society. We explore the importance of a comprehensive sex education that encompasses consent, safety, personal agency, and science. Just a heads up, we are issuing a content warning on this episode as we use some sensitive language and discuss some serious topics. And I'll pass it over to Kevin to give us the cool version of a content warning. Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, viewer discretion is advised. Episode number four, Sam. Episode number four. Woo! What are we talking about today, Sam? Today we've got um, a lot on our plate. We are talking about the particular sex education that me and you both received in Catholic school. Um, and it's not just me and you today. We have another person here. We have our friend Kevin. Say hello. Hey, I am Kevin, and I am being. I was graciously asked onto this podcast uh, with these two lovely individuals uh, to talk about sex education because I have the, I guess, the male perspective on uh, the grammar school and high school version. So I guess we'll, we'll dive into that uh, as we go on. Yes, and in, in uh, most experiences in sex ed in Catholic school, it was taught a uh, split between boys and girls groups. So I want to know all the secrets that Kevin has been hiding for many, many years. There's so many. Uh, there's there's so many secret things that we know that I don't know if I'm I'm legally allowed to tell tell everyone. Um, oh. Pandora's box here <laughs> with uh, sex education, but I I definitely think I mean our our perspective on this does come from the Catholic private school. However, through our research, we came across different information that we're going to go ahead and share with you guys and a lot of the information that we share today we will provide links to in the description for this episode and just to kind of kick things off uh, I know the goal is to talk about the sex education we received but I kind of feel that we really didn't receive much of a sex education so that's why we're having this conversation because uh, unfortunately from our backgrounds and just things that get taught um, across the board currently um, seem to be, or it seems to be this push for abstinence only. And unfortunately, we've, we've seen over time that that's not the best approach. And that seems to be pretty much what the three of us received during our time at school. Yeah, so why don't we go ahead and kick things off. We'll get started talking about grade school. Um, so what grade were you both in when you first received some kind of sex education. I think for me it was around fifth or sixth grade. Uh, for me it was definitely fifth grade. Yeah, I think mine was sixth, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> yeah, um, so like we mentioned, our sex ed was divided between boys and girls, so I'm not totally sure what kind of crossover happened between boys sex ed and girls sex ed. So Josie, do you remember what 
anything in particular that you learned that was useful to your life today? Uh, I mean, useful to my life today? No, because at this <laughs> point, I've, I've, I've learned a lot more and have become aware, um, as we'll get into later. But I remember the main focus at that time, like, um, like we said, it was split up between boys and girls. And at least with our school, right before we were given any sort of sex education and I'm pretty sure it had a different name it didn't necessarily have the word sex but our parents were sent notices and they had to sign off on whether we could sit in on these classes Um, and I do remember that there were a couple parents who who said no so during this time those students were always sent to the office to work on homework or do something else but I mostly remember us discussing like anatomy Um, They never really explained what sex was and just keeping in mind, you know, we, we were in a private Catholic school. So there's, they work off the binary system. So I don't think they even discussed like what male and female sex was, or like the fact that the penis had to go in the vagina. They never really discussed that. So, you know, they just kind of explained the sperm gets to the egg, it gets fertilized, but they didn't explain the mechanism of how that happened. So that I think was one of the issues. And definitely this whole idea of abstinence only didn't really give you much information on other options in terms of like contraceptives or anything like that. It was mostly like you shouldn't have sex until you're ready to have a baby because from what they were teaching us, the whole goal of sex is to reproduce. So it's like, if you're not going to reproduce, then don't have sex. Yeah, I also remember the, like, the, I don't know if it was like paper that we had to take home and sign or whatever, or have our parents look at, but I remember that, I think. And um, it's just, it, it, I think my parents, at least, were like, oh, yeah, yeah, just sign it. Okay, yeah, you do it. So I don't have to talk about it with you, <laughs> you know, because cause I never got that sex talk from my parents. <gasps> I never uh, got one either. Yeah, so I feel like they used that. They're like, oh, well, hey, the school's taking care of it. I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> For so many people, it's just like, it's such a, I don't know, awkward subject to talk about. And it's like, really, it, it shouldn't be. You know, it's like everyone does it. So <laughs> I need you both to call your, your parents right now and have them give you the talk because... <laughs> I can't believe you've made it this far without the talk from your parents. Um, I still don't know. (laughs) I don't know how I've made it this far in life without it. (laughs) Right. I I mean, I was kind of lucky because I think that around fourth grade or so was when my mom had the period conversation with me and um, we also did talk about sex. So going into these classes, I did have some idea of it. And while preparing for this episode I was talking to my mom and she did say that I would come home from school and like tell her things that we had learned and she would be like that's weird why did they tell her that so my mom you know would say that a lot of the time she was having to disproof or like kind of further explain some of the things they had said because they just weren't always accurate and with that I would like to add that Um, in research for this podcast, sex education gets regulated at like the local or state level. And 17 states currently require that program content be medically accurate, which is incredibly alarming for 
all the other states who don't require this. So it's kind of like, what is it that these programs are teaching kids? Yeah, that's super alarming. Um, yeah, and I don't know, I feel like there was very minimal, like you said, biology or like anatomy involved in my sex ed in grade school. It was more like focused on the morality of sex through a Catholic lens, which makes sense because it was a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't remember it being very scientific at all. There was just way more discussion on not having sex until marriage and how to basically maintain that throughout your life. So there was just like this big push for like virginity and like purity equating mm -hmm. your worth uh, exactly. in, in my sex ed. And I'm wondering, Ke Kevin, I have questions for you. I need to know <laughs> secrets. Was this also taught in your Catholic school sex ed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think everything that you guys have been saying, I mean, it's pretty accurate to what what my experience was you know it it wasn't scientific at all it was just like here's a penis okay next page here is a <laughs> vagina and it's like okay oh interesting <laughs> and you know uh, another thing is they try and you know I think there was a, a I'm pretty sure in grade school there was a a part a section where they talked about STDs and stuff STIs or whatever and 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 you know it's like they're trying to scare you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't do this or your penis will fall off or, yeah, or what, you know, like mm -hmm. here's all these disgusting pictures or whatever. And, um, you know, it won't happen if you abstain or whatever. So I don't know. It wasn't a lot of information and it wasn't helpful is what it really comes down to. Yeah. And I also feel like maybe even the instructors themselves like didn't really want to talk about it. So they just give these big blanket statements and like, even if you do wait until marriage, you know, like what if your partner does have like an underlying STI and, you know, like it just doesn't get like magically go away just because you got married and the power of God just like <laughs> takes mm -hmm. it all away. <laughs> yeah. And I think that with that also at a young age, you're kind of uh, programmed to have this belief, like stigmatizing STIs and STDs. And I think that a really big issue that Kevin brought up a little bit earlier was normalizing these conversations, you know, not just between parents, but really having this comprehensive education if, if it's going to be taught in school and having some sort of standard, which doesn't exist at the moment. So definitely being able to talk about these things and not stigmatizing STIs, normalizing, even having conversations with your partner about getting tested and normalized language around testing and things like that. Like it's totally normal. And it's a part of the health, you know, it's a healthy process that if you are going to be sexually active, you do go get tested to protect yourself and to protect others. And that you're able to have those conversations with your partner, you know, if you are going to be intimate or whoever, like, hey, like, when was the last time you got tested? But I think that there's still a lot of stigma around that, because sometimes, unfortunately, some people might take it the wrong way. They'll be like, why don't you trust me? Don't you love me? Do you think I'm dirty or something like that? And it's no, it's, it's not that it's just, you know, we want to make sure that we're engaging in these safe sex practices. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that language of that, oh, that I absolutely hate of like a clean versus dirty, oh, I hate saying it even, but yeah, I wonder if that comes from these like puritanical values that we kind of have in America. 
like getting told to keep your virginity or like stay pure. Maybe purity is associated with like the clean side. If movies have taught us anything, it's the virgins that hold all the power. You know, you use them for <laughs> sacrificial things. Kevin, uh, they're, they're great for they're they're great for lots of stuff. So I think I think know. this is a good time to mention that Kevin makes horror movies. <laughs> yes, and he was referencing Hocus Pocus, and that's when that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but definitely, I agree. Like equating, you know, or this idea of like your value on how pure you may be, or you know, especially, um, unfortunately, a lot of the language at this time too is set to uh, is is negative against women and especially like if you have sex you're you're spoiled goods you know you've you've lost your value and on the other side as as a society with you know these social constructs that we we have men get praised for having sex so there's definitely a double standard there that I think plays a big role in in the education that we receive. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing that we don't really talk about during these classes is assault or like healthy relationships or really or consent. Consent is a, such a huge thing that I don't think really gets talked about in these classes. I don't know, did you guys have that same experience? Yeah, we didn't have any talks about what a healthy relationship looks like or what a relationship that isn't functioning on a binary looks like or like what coercion is or like what other types of assault there are. We had zero conversations about that, which, you know, it's just as crucial to your safety and your health to talk about those things too. Completely. Yeah, yeah I feel like, um, yeah, I, I don't remember anything um, in regards to consent or assault or, or anything like that. And, you know, again, we were split up in a group, so I don't know if, if the girls' version was different, but I know for, for us, they didn't go over any of that. And, you know, I wonder if part of it is because, you know, it was all about waiting till marriage. So you, sh you shouldn't even be thinking about any of this until you're married. So I don't know. It, it, it's weird. Oh, I never thought about that. I guess that would make sense from like the flip sides. I think that when we did have those conversations and once again, we were separated, but it, it all, I think that what we were preached was you're, you're the one that is in charge of whether you get assaulted or not. So you have to be careful. You have to do this, you know, and it's, it shouldn't be that way, you know, and Kevin, I mean, at any point were you guys being told, you know, respect people and, you know, don't assault people, respect boundaries, don't rape people, you know, we were being told how not to get raped, but met, you know, the boys weren't being told don't do the raping. And I think another thing too, is that, you know, Kevin, you bring up, maybe they weren't talking about this since the goal was for you to not have any sort of like sexual activity until marriage. But we also don't talk about assault occurring within marriage. And, you know, these forms of physical abuse, just because you're married, it doesn't make it okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can happen to anyone at any time in any situation really you know uh, there's no you know it only happens to this person or it only happens that but it, it can happen anywhere anyone and you know i think that's pretty sad that 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 wasn't taught 
to anyone. I believe that like you should just be a good person, but I know that not everyone is. So like, I, I don't know. And it's, it's, it's a tough topic. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I think that's all the more reason to just like integrate all genders and all identities into the same sex ed classes because everybody needs to hear these things like everyone needs to be told do not assault people or just like respect people like this is part of sex education this is part of how you function as a human is you have to be chill to everybody again i'm bringing back my catchphrase be chill to each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think that with that as well i think it kind of takes the ownership that someone may feel specifically women over their body you may feel that your body just doesn't belong to you and it's kind of this tool for the pleasure and service of others in this case men also not discussing that you know sex can be for pleasure and that's totally fine too like and it doesn't make you a bad person if you have sex you're not ruined if you have sex. A couple of stories I've come across over the years are of people that maybe did wait until marriage to have sex or whenever they had their first sexual encounter, which was later in life. They had this guilt over what they did. And it's what's come to be known as Catholic guilt because they don't feel their body belongs to them. They feel, you know, it belongs to God or this higher being, whatever you want to call it. And I just think that's so heartbreaking. And it's like, no, like my body belongs to me and I get to decide what I do or I don't do with it and who I do or don't do things with. So it's, it's just, it's very problematic. To add on to that too, there's so many mixed messages within Catholicism. At least I, in my experience, I felt like I was just being jerked around left and right. But yeah, if anyone isn't familiar with Catholicism, the dealio is that God gave humans free will, but I don't know what his end game was with that because I don't know if you're supposed to belong to God. I don't know. Ah, I don't know how to say this. You're given this free will, but then you're being restricted on what this free will is. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, so it's contradictory. And I think that, you know, although we're we're speaking from this Catholic school background, I, I think that a lot of sex education across the United States does have this Christian agenda behind it. You know, even though we're supposed to have a separation of church and state, realistically, we don't. I was reading that only three states in the whole country prohibit religion from being taught or from it influencing sex education only three and you know keeping in mind the other states or the very limited states that ensure their information is medically accurate also across the board about a fifth of middle schools teach sex education and less than half of the high schools in the u.s teach it or follow the cdc guidelines so i mean in our particular case we were i would say somewhat lucky And I think that uh, we ended up touching the subject again in the eighth grade. And I remember that at that point, we got a little bit, we got more answers, I should say. Um, Our teacher was younger. She was probably like 28, 29 or something. And I remember uh, we kept making up all these like wild sex scenarios and asking like, you know, can you get an STI if you do this? Can you get an STI if you do that? Can you get pregnant if you do this? Can you get pregnant if you do that? 
And I just remember this one girl was so adamant about someone that she knew that had gotten pregnant off a blowjob. And our teacher was like, no, that is not true. But even then, I feel that she maybe also wasn't the indicated person to be having these conversations with us. I'm, I'm thankful that she did because I think she did enlighten us on some things and give us the facts about some things. But at the same time, I also don't feel she was fully qualified to do that. And then I know for during fifth grade as well, the girls had a nun teaching us sex ed and the boys had a priest. Why would you pick the two people that can't have sex to teach sex ed? <laughs> That is a question we all had. (laughs) I'm so glad that I was born when I was born because if I like back in the day when nuns used to be your teachers, you know, like I didn't have that. Like it was, you know, we just had regular old people, man. And like the stories (laughs) that, that like that, you know, like my parents tell like, oh yeah, there was this mean old nun, whatever, Nancy, and she would whack me with the whirler. Or throw erasers at you. Yeah, right? Like, they were so mean. Can we, yeah. get, um, can we get mean old nun Nancy to guest spot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have to summon her. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, Nancy, yeah. are you she's there? She's in hell. She's in hell right now. Oh, my God. No, she's hanging out with Bobby Skeleton right now. She'll, <laughs> she'll make an appearance at some point. <laughs> and we're just, like, accumulating a ton of ghosts that are just going to, like, unleash upon exactly. us. Exactly. It'll be good for your next Halloween episode. It's also, so speaking of ghosts, <laughs> I had a fun story. Um, well, not like a fun story, but just like a funny story about my high school abstinence instructor. So we had an abstinence instructor come in to teach us in uh, my sophomore year of high school. And I remember he told us a story about how someone he knew had sex before a marriage And I guess he had sex with a lot of people before marriage and that he wished that he could be alone with his wife in the bedroom. And that just made me think of like hordes of phantoms or ghosts of people that he slept with here while he was making love to his wife. Just like kind of like kind of like Edgar Allan Poe horror story. That's terrifying. Like, (laughs) why? Why? How? Why and how? Those are my two questions. Maybe they all died. (laughs) Instead of, uh, instead of I see dead people, it's like I see sex people. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I see sexy people. (laughs) That's, no, and that's the other thing too. It's problematic because it they you know it's this belief that you don't have like the mental capacity to like disconnect yourself and just like be in the moment with whoever you're with in the moment. Like, no, don't don't. It's it's another. I feel it's another scare tactic, honestly. Oh, for sure. It just sounds like that guy didn't really love his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like why are you thinking of other people? Like, are you okay? Do you need to reevaluate things in your relationship right now? <laughs> You guys should talk about that. Maybe take a fun workshop together. <laughs> exactly. Something's yeah, not. That's working. exactly what it sounds like, though. You know, <laughs> he was just bored or whatever. There... Let's bring all these sexy ghosts in now. Show me that dirty movie, or don't actually. <laughs> no, th- no, no, thank you. Yeah. No. Oh, also, speaking of dirty movies, I feel like a lot of people kind of like supplemented their lack of sex education with porn which with the way that 
some porns are constructed can be problematic, especially like when we were growing up in like the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Does porn have an ethical responsibility to its audience? I don't know. I don't think it does, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it does at all because I think it's more on the person watching to like, like it's totally your choice on what, on, on if you watch porn or what kind of porn you watch, there's all kinds, there's all kinds of stuff out there, you know? So I, I, I feel like just because there's so many different things out there that they don't have it, like they're just making a living and, yeah. and having some fun. I guess. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But, Do you think, like, maybe, like, parents should also include, like, that in discussions with their kids? Like, this is a portrayal of, like, a fantasy or whatever. Like, real sex doesn't always look like this. Like, maybe it does sometimes, but I don't know. I That's another thing that, like, people don't want to touch because, like, ooh, it's icky. I don't want to talk to my kid about it, but you should probably should. Um, I, I agree with that to an extent I think that it goes back to normalizing having these conversations definitely when you're talking to your kids about sex you should talk to them about porn so that they understand if, if they come across it what it is that they're looking at and like Kevin said there's so many things out there and it doesn't fall necessarily on porn but because so many people turn to porn to try to understand what sex is like to an extent I feel there's some responsibility but as well like you know even even in sex education classes we should be talking about these things saying like what's happening in these scenes may not be realistic or there are things that you engage in you've consented to they're safe words so that when people come across porn they don't think that oh this is how sex is or this is what sex is supposed to be because I mean I think at all of us at one point have come across porn unintentionally or intentionally and have kind of been like never seen it ever <laughs> <laughs> Kevin never got the talk he's never seen porn my goodness Kevin how have you made it this far in life <laughs> I don't know Kevin. basically what Josie's saying people is to, to the parents out there is talk to your kids Sit them on the couch, put on some porn. No, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to how poor sex education is taught and how it's, when it is taught, it's taught in this binary. You know, there's so many people that they're, you know, they're sitting in the classroom listening to all of this information and they don't identify with it. I wonder too mm. if um, in other institutions and whatnot, if they, normalize in their sex education because we don't get taught about individuals who are gay uh trans or you know non-binary anything of that nature so i kind of wonder if they incorporate conversion therapy so i wonder if there's any mention of that and i know in the information that i was coming across as well only six to seven states uh so i know in some sites that i looked at it's at six and another it's at seven require only negative information to be provided on homosexuality and or positive emphasis on heterosexuality what wow. yeah i'm about to fucking flip my desk <laughs> 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 i'm just gonna scream <laughs> I'm right there what you, with like, you. What do you even, like, what do you even say to that? That's, yeah. 
you just scream. That's all yeah, there you go. Yeah. Sometimes all you can do is scream. I agree. And I remember too that this was in eighth grade and keeping coming back to this whole idea that, you know, if you're not going to have a baby, then you shouldn't have sex. I was having a conversation with a friend when preparing for this episode and they kind of brought up how they specifically remember that they said that gay sex was bad because you couldn't reproduce by having gay sex. So that's why it was a sin because the goal is to repopulate the earth and you're not able to do that by engaging a non-male and female sex. If people didn't sin, then Jesus died for nothing. Hey, he said the line. (laughs) (laughs) He came through. (laughs) I was just going to go like, take it away, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) That can be applied to so many things. (laughs) So crazy. Completely. How is it that these things are being said? and continue to be taught in in 2020. Yeah, I almost, I do wonder if like any kind of progressive steps have been taken. Like, I don't know. I think about my grade school, like right now, are they still teaching the same thing? I think like the administration's turned over entirely, but you know, I don't know. It's still very adjacent. I mean, it's a Catholic school. There's a church across the street. So they're definitely gonna like still have certain values but I don't know if like even the Catholic Church has made adjustments in their values. I don't know. Josie, me and you were talking about Pope said nope. <laughs> Recently, the Pope came out and said no. Nope, the Pope came out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pun intended. Um, but how the Pope said that being gay was not a sin. So, but even that caused a lot of backlash within. Oh, uh, thank within you, Mr. Church. Pope, for telling us we're all okay now. Did he, did you see, did you see the Pope, um, uh, liked a, the, that girl's Instagram photo? Oh, supposedly he got hacked. Yeah, sure he did. Sure he did. <laughs> yeah. The Pope said it's okay to like butts on Yeah, Instagram. on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we all turn back to Catholicism now. <laughs> I think that's going to be like my new thing. If I'm doing something, someone's like, what are you doing? I'm going to be like, the Pope said it's okay. <laughs> the Pope said no, it's no. not a sin. <laughs> fine, it's fine. And I, th- I think another thing too is that I, I during this time, I never, and I, I think even when I was in high school and just, it, the conversations didn't really change much when we were in high school. And I know uh, I had sex ed junior year which by that point, I feel it's too late. Like if, if anything, you should have that freshman year, you know, by, by junior year, people are already sexually active. They're, you know, exploring things. Um, I just imagine like people like in a safari exploring, <laughs> but that's kind of what it's like. You're, you know, you're lost. You're trying to figure yourself out, figure other people out. But um, I, I feel it was, it was too late. And the, the conversations didn't really change. And I think there was a, a really big emphasis still on fear tactics with like STIs and STDs. But I do think that in comparison to other curriculums that I've kind of come across, we were a bit lucky uh, because we did talk about different contraceptives, even though it was a Catholic high school. But maybe it just wasn't the best presentation or we didn't get as much information as I feel we should have. And same thing for, for STIs. Like, you know, it was always the, the most severe end of 
the STIs, you know, or the presentation, I should say. And it, once again, it kind of leaves you in a situation where you're not equipped with knowing how to how to handle these things or what resources you have or how to go about it. Right. They're going to show you the worst pictures of STIs as a scare tactic. And then if you get the STI, you're going to have like a ton of guilt about it. Yeah. Especially like if you don't have like an adult in your life. If your parents like didn't want to talk to you about sex or anything, that's going to be impossible to talk to them about anything that you're feeling. Completely. And I know like, you know, we always get those severe examples of of the disease or infection, but, you know, I guess a good example of this is that HPV, we, we know what it is, right? And we always associate it with just being something in the genitals, more specifically, you know, having a malignant presentation in women. That's why yearly women will get their pap smears. However, in recent years, we've started to see a rise in uh, throat cancer because of HPV. And that's something that a lot of people don't know. And I'll let you use your imagination as to why that may be, but that's something a lot of people don't know and um, they should. And another thing too, is that a lot of STIs can be latent. So you can be exposed to today and not present any symptoms until five, 10 years later. I know that tends to be the case for, for herpes and herpes isn't one of the STIs that is on like the the generic STI panel when people go to get tested, but it should be. And a lot of people, I know we're, we're tired of hearing this word with COVID, but a lot of people can be asymptomatic. So they don't know, they don't feel anything. They don't have any different presentations. So, you know, they continue to have sex. And once again, this is why it's important to normalize testing and like frequent testing, you know? Yeah. You know, I want to go, I want to go back to like the, the STI, like showing like pictures and trying to like using the scare tactic really quick because like that totally did not work they could show us of a, a, a dude with his dick that fell off as a teenager i was like man i want to go have sex with someone <laughs> like but that brings up a good point like they should have been talking about like no you know what when you do find someone you know that that you're going to consensually engage in this act with why don't you have a, a, a conversation with them about have you ever been tested or have you been with anyone? Are you like just normalizing the conversation? I think that would have been way more effective than just showing these pictures. Of course. And I feel like that kind of plays into just the blanket statements. Like no one wants to go in any deeper when they're teaching sex ed, it seems like. So they'll just show you these like flash images and like, this is what happens, but they won't frame it in a way that it's important to, you know, have regular testing or I don't know, like just focus on, I don't know, frame it in a different way. Like not all doom and gloom, like your life is over you're you're ruined no one is gonna want you like we need to get rid of that like no like it goes back to this idea of purity and there's a lot of language around stis and stds where like if you if you have something you're officially dirty you know and it's like no it's not like that but definitely like one equipping people with the information that they need to to be safe and also if something does happen well here are your options because then if not it just it's it's an ongoing cycle that doesn't end and it's it's not productive at all and it's more harmful you know especially with a lot of these infections especially if you're asymptomatic 
you know, and later on, you know, once you start presenting symptoms, if you don't get treated or treatment on time, you can have very severe consequences down the line when it comes to having damage to your reproductive sex organs or just other things later on. And as I just mentioned, you know, cancer. So it's definitely something that you should be getting tested for regularly in your yearly physical, or I think it really comes down to like, how often you're sexually active, who you're sexually active with, you know, so if you are having more partners, getting tested more regularly, things of that nature. And obviously, these are all things that we, you know, we're not specialists here or licensed professionals, but definitely these are conversations that you should be having with your doctor. Yeah, so many, so many things just, uh, just got to override it. And, you know, I think it's so sad because I think it, it wasn't until I got to college and I learned that, no, like, it doesn't have to be like this. There's other places where they have really great sex comprehension education and things like that. And I'm just like, what? What is this? What is that? Like, this is possible? Why aren't we doing this? Yeah. And of course, I mean, obviously, like, junior year of high school is way too late. College is way too fucking late. Like. <laughs> Oh, completely. I would like to add, though, that we're not here to bash abstinence being taught as a part of sex education. But I think that, you know, if someone chooses to be abstinent, that that's great, you know, more power to you. But I hope that people who are making that choice, you know, are making it for themselves and that they have the power to make that choice. And they're not doing that because there's these outside forces influencing their decisions, such as fear or religion or whatever. But the, the power to make this decision lies within themselves. And yeah, definitely like have it be a part of sex education, but it shouldn't be the only thing. Yeah, exactly. It, it shouldn't be, you know, you can't have sex because God's going to be mad at you because that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And I think something we don't really talk about is contraceptives and keeping with safe sex practices, you know, the use of condoms and things of that nature. And there's just so many varieties out there and people don't know about them or don't know how to use them adequately. And I think that one of the scenarios that comes to mind is the condom on the banana. And did you guys get that in class? I did not. I don't ever remember that. I think we did get that in my sophomore year sex ed, which is weird because I know it was abstinence only instruction. And I remember he like, so he was like a guest instructor. So he asked our teacher if it was okay for him to do it. So I don't know if it was a state mandated thing. I don't really know, you know, what things were like in my state at that time. But it was just very strange that he's telling us all these things. And then he's like, don't do it. But here's this. <laughs> in case you're going to do it. Yeah, but if you're going to do it, yeah. here you go. Which I appreciate. Thanks, guy. <laughs> was it the same guy? The sexy ghost guy who was the banana guy? That was the guy who told the story, yeah. Oh, my God. A man of many talents. Except pleasing his wife and seeing all this, the, the phantom sex ghosts. But something I, I would like to say with contraceptives is there's a story that I was told 
in one of my science classes in, in college. And I've shared the story with a couple other friends and they've all kind of heard a variation of it. So I'm not quite sure how much truth there is, but to be honest, just from conversations I've had with people throughout my life, I really don't see this deviating too far from like a real situation. <laughs> But there was a story of a uh, teenage girl who went to the the ER. She wasn't feeling well. And they ended up figuring out that she was pregnant. And she was like, there's no way I could be pregnant. You know, I was being safe. So they asked her, well, what type of contraceptives were you using? You know, what's what's the deal? And she was like, oh, well, we, we were using um, or I used jelly and uh, which there is like a form of contraceptive that's the jelly and just to put it out there that's not very effective (laughs) but when they asked her well what kind she said smuckers and it's like no 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 this this is not you cannot put the same thing that you put in your peanut butter and jelly sandwich inside your vagina and expect to not get pregnant (laughs) I just I think this is a food fetish thing, Josie. Come in, no. I think that's what it was. Yes, it was. Okay. Well, even if that's the case, you should not be putting anything in your genitals that might irritate them because they are very sensitive places. Please do not hey, put Hey, it don't be hey, hey, hey. Don't <laughs> tell people what they can or can't put it up inside of them. Come on. Do you Josie. want it to burn? Just know the consequences. Maybe they do. Okay, maybe they do. It's all up to you, but please no, re- do your research before you put anything anywhere, please. That's all I'm asking. It's like, I don't know, when people talk about like having a romantic romp on the beach and I'm just like, there is no way you're not like getting sand inside of your urethra. Oh no, yeah. It's no. Just, that, I, don't, I don't understand why that's always like seen as this like romantic thing in movies or shows. I remember this one, um, show that I used to watch um Gilmore Girls um two of the characters do end up having sex on the beach and they were just like that was terrible there was sand everywhere it was you know this tragic thing and they were like never again it's not how it's depicted in the movies and it's just like yeah no that just sounds messy just from hearing it like why would you think this is a good idea (laughs) well that was kind of responsible of Gilmore Girls you know what now going back to how we learn about sex through entertainment they they talked about these type of things that is now just binging gilmore girls yeah Yeah, exactly it's like please watch season two uh episode (laughs) five through nine (laughs) and then followed by a couple uh porn clips after that oh god the gilmore girls like porn parody (laughs) oh no don't know sam don't ruin it for me that was my that was my childhood slash preteen years That's all I'm doing tonight is looking up girl, Gilmore Girls porn parodies and sending them over to Josie. No! <laughs> what would it be called? Like Gilmore Girls and even more girls? <laughs> or something oh. like that. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> ruined. Completely ruined. Never again. Gilmore Girls, Girls, Girls. <laughs> Trademark that right now. <laughs> Comment if you want that on our merch. Uh, Bringing this back to college when I think that was really the point in my life, specifically in gender women's studies classes, I would say that when I was enlightened on a lot of this misinformation that had been ingrained in me throughout my life. Another thing that I had never considered um, until this point is that 
men could also be victims of abuse. And unfortunately, with these uh, social constructs that exist, you know, there's a lot of belief or emphasis placed on, well, men can't get raped. They like sex. That's all they want. That's all men really, you know, want. They just want to have sex. So there's no way that this person can be abused. Um, and I just kind of wonder, Kevin, were, were there any conversations around that or maybe things that came up in conversation with friends throughout your life? Uh, no, not really. Um, not that I can remember. You know, it goes back to what we touched on earlier is that it can happen to anyone. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that you know maybe something happened and and you know especially there's like a this like whole thing about being a man and being tough and proud and and whatever it is you know that they might keep that in forever so yeah but as far as like being touched on in 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 school and sex ed like we never got that talk and i'm and I, i i'm assuming that it was different for you guys yeah um a lot of care went into telling us like the hows and what to do is to not be assaulted. So that's that's really interesting that you got none of that. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and I think that it's it's already hard enough whenever we do hear these stories of assaults that a lot of women don't speak up on it, right? Because it's it's stigmatized, right? And unfortunately we, and I don't mean us specifically, but as a society, there's a lot of hesitation in believing women when they say that, you know, they've experienced some sort of assault. And when they do, you know, they're shamed for it. They're called liars. They're called whores and just completely mistreated. So in seeing that as well, and as, as you mentioned, Kevin, you know, this idea of being a man, I think that men who are in these situations feel less inclined to to speak up about it maybe um maybe they feel you know their masculinity has been compromised or also because they buy into this idea of men wanting sex all the time and having these wild sex drives and whatnot that they kind of um similar to other victims of abuse kind of repress it happening or don't acknowledge that it's happening or acknowledge that it's abuse. So it's very unfortunate. And a lot of these things can be prevented or avoided or handled better if we just had these conversations and had some sort of standard for what a comprehensive sex education should be. There was something that I saw um, someone had posted a few days ago, and it was um, it was talking about like young children and and parents uh in in particular and like how it should be the child like so for example give an example of like you know you go over to your parents house so, so your child's grandparents and maybe and you're like oh give you know grandpa a kiss and a hug it, it basically talked about how you should give them the choice of whether or not they are comfortable in doing so rather than oh no you, you know you get over there and you kiss grandma grandpa whoever it may be you know yeah consent um, and it, exactly exactly and it and it and it talked about also um went over with children in particular like not having um i don't know what to call it like baby names for like you know your your 
sexual or your yeah your genitals yeah. yeah like calling yeah calling it what it's actually called and yeah. you know not keeping secrets like you know if there's ever an adult that wants you to keep this a secret and stuff to to speak up about it and and I think you know that's very important to for parents to teach their kids um especially when they're really young absolutely yeah definitely the the language around that and like you said teaching them their anatomy so that they're able to communicate and um consent is such a big part of it and going back to normalizing these these conversations with kids because at the same time like you know if your kid does come to you and you know says something like mom what's a what's a penis I heard it at school or mom what's sex or dad what's this you know and it's like being able to maybe definitely adjusting it to for it to be age appropriate but being able to provide them with some sort of explanation because I think that lying to them or misleading them kind of sets a foundation where they're like okay I can't go to my parents because they're not going to tell me the truth. And I think it kind of sets up this pattern for later down the line when things do come up or when they do have questions, they're not, they're not going to turn to you because you're not going to be able to provide them with the information that they need. And they might turn to a friend who got their information from their cousin or older brother that that's completely wrong, (laughs) or uh, they turn to the internet and it, you know, depending on the resource they land on, it might not be the best one. So definitely having these conversations and educating your kids as, as best you can and definitely trying to keep things age appropriate as well. And maybe grandma sucks. You don't want to give grandma a hug. <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, I mean, pers- I was always for like, I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I'll say that right now, but, but I was always forced to, you know, and, and not only me, but like my brother my sister and, and my cousins, like, I remember I, I can count a hundred times where you know, like my aunt will be yelling at, one of my cousins to come downstairs and give your grandpa, give your grandma a kiss before they leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like all, all that kind of stuff. I never really thought about that before. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe they're just not comfortable doing that. <gasps> I have yeah. kind of a cute story. So, tell, tell, tell. So, um, my little cousin, when he was maybe like four, he didn't want to hug or kiss my grandma and like you know they were cool about it they wouldn't force him to do it and we were like I wonder why like why he doesn't want to hug hug grandma and I think his mom asked him eventually and he was so I mean Josie you know what my grandma looks like she's a beautiful pale lady with like white hair and she's the sweetest woman (laughs) I'll say that (laughs) and he goes she's a ghost Oh my goodness! (laughs) He thought she looked like a ghost. I didn't want to look like a ghost. Oh my goodness! But you see, he had his reason for why he didn't want to do it. Having been forced would have been traumatizing to him, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes, and then we were able to explain to him that Grandma's alive and well. (laughs) She's fine. I think I'm gonna segue us very ineloquently into something else real quick. Um, So another thing we talked about in sex ed, and again, I am also so curious if, Kevin, you learned anything about this, but uh, menstruation. So also barely talked about menstruating. Um, We 
only talked about it lightly. Um, and then I do remember this book that was published by like American Girl Dolls called The Care of Keeping You, which was like the puberty Bible. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember I am going to share a personal story, so buckle up everybody. But when I got my first period, I thought I was going to die and I thought we were going to have to go to the hospital because I thought it was just supposed to be like a dainty little trickle. But no. I, was, I was dead wrong. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry, Sam, that that happened. Oh, you know, it's fine. Yeah, but that's another thing. Like people, I feel might just get completely blindsided by if you don't talk about it what the details are what's happening but also I don't know just for giggles Kevin what were you taught about periods in sex ed if you were at all yeah uh, you know I, I I'm embarrassed to say this but I don't remember when I got my first period <gasps> oh no Kevin <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to chart it <laughs> um yeah, no, uh, I don't remember them going into anything really specifically about it. Did you have any I, I, idea of it? Or do you like recall when maybe you first became aware that this happened? I mean, yeah, I was aware of it. I just, I can't tell you like when, like what age I was like, oh, got it. You know, like, I don't know. And honestly, I think just like through relationships with girlfriends is where like I really learned about, you know, about it I think that was like probably the best the best education that I've got on it definitely get didn't get any in school that's for sure and I think just kind of from knowing you you're kind of you're definitely a, a person I should say that's open to having these conversations with you know with your partners whereas a lot of men not I shouldn't generalize but some people aren't open to them they, they they're like oh god don't tell me about it you know it's you know it's it's once again negative feelings, negative emotions towards this. And I know a lot of, uh, there's a couple of friends definitely that thought they were dying when it happened. And, you one know, one of them was me. <laughs> yeah. One of them was Sam for sure. And I think it's worse. Like uh, there's one friend that I'm thinking of now that they woke up and it had happened. And it's, can you imagine just like waking up and there's blood everywhere and whatnot? And it, it can be scary when you're when you're not aware of it. Another thing too is that with women, or at least from my experience, like we were never really taught about different sanitary products that you could use. And it was just kind of like pads. And there was a stigma that you shouldn't use a tampon because it's going to pop your cherry and you know all these other all these other myths and with that I would say sometimes especially if your parents aren't having these conversations with you understanding how to use these sanitary products and for example with tampons they've definitely evolved throughout the years but early on we would see a lot of women and we still do suffer from toxic shock syndrome and pass away from that so when i first heard about that like when i mean it was long you know years and years ago uh, mm -hmm. and and someone first told me about that they're like yeah you know you can't get this thing i'm like wait what they're like that sucks that they have to be made out of shit that can do that, you know? Like, come on, like, we're, we're in 2020 here. Can't we figure this shit out? I definitely think that period products have definitely evolved since then. Recently, I was aware that toxic shock syndrome was making a comeback because a lot of people have kind of pushed towards this, like, anti-consumer um, 
agenda. I, I, I'm not quite sure what you would call this, but there was a rise in women knitting their tampons and, and using that. And there was a, a spike in toxic uh, shock syndrome because of it. So going natural isn't always the best. Be, be careful when you see these things online. And once again, before you put something in there or around your genitals, whatever you decide to do, do your research, <laughs> please. Oh man, I'm also like reminded of a place that I used to work at. It was a cool place. Uh, you know, we had gender neutral bathrooms and tampons. So, you know, people who menstruate would feel comfortable in the bathroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the business was bought out by different owners. And I'll just go ahead and say it was a heterosexual couple. And the husband was in like doing maintenance and then he told his wife to tell us to not have tampons in the bathroom because it was icky. <laughs> How old was this yeah. man? What's wrong yeah, with him? Icky. Yeah, and we were like, are you kidding me? So they said they weren't going to buy tampons for the business anymore to keep in the bathroom. So the employees took turns buying them to like put them in the bathroom just to be like, fuck you guys. There were a lot of problems with the business after they took over. Like, I remember they were like misgendering clients and stuff. And we were just like, what are you doing? Stop. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. That's so problematic. That's another thing they don't teach us. Gender identity. And uh, we should talk about that. Oh, for sure. For sure. And definitely like a heteronormative sex education is going to just like invalidate anyone existing outside of that. And that sucks. You're just alienating people. Beautiful people. Exactly. I 100% I agree. And it, it, there's also like a, an added stigma to period products. I feel like I remember in grade school, we were like the girls were super secretive and like hiding them in their like uniform skirts or we used to wear these like sweater vest things. And if, if you got your period, it was like this whole it honestly, it felt like a whole mission in, in case you didn't have a pad um trying to communicate with the other girls in the class to ask them whether they had a pad or not or a tampon whatever it may be and it you, it was it was just hard i remember like having to write notes or just kind of being like you have a pad, you know, and, and things like that. And we didn't want the boys to know because we felt if the boys knew, oh my God, it was like the end of the world for us. Whereas I think when we got to high school, at least the crowd that I surrounded myself with, it was a little bit more of like, don't bother me today. I'm on my period type thing, you know? And I remember like the the girls' bathrooms did have dispensers and people wouldn't always pay for them. I remember uh, if your arm was like, small enough you could stick it in there and pull out tampons <laughs> and I remember there were definitely designated girls if you didn't have a pad and none of your friends did you would go to that person and you would be like hey can you pull one out for me in the bathroom and they'd be like yeah no worries and they walk in there and just stick their hand up and they're like which one do you want you want the tampon or do you want a pad and just pull it out for you Definitely had to to do that a couple times when no one had a pad. But I think that once again, once I got to college, it was really great because UIC had a wellness center and they were able to provide a lot of free resources to students. I definitely ended up going there one day when I needed a pad and they pull out a drawer and they have all these different kinds. And also I thought that was really great. And I know they had 
very similar to other universities that I've, I've heard where they have like the bowl of condoms or other things of that nature. And they even had toothbrushes and other necessities. So it was, it was really great. And they offered a lot of uh, health services to students, but we should definitely just have that stuff for free. Like why, why, why is there, why do we have to pay for it? Why is the tax so high for it? It's like, no. <laughs> I did see that. Was it Scotland? Scotland? Yeah, Scotland! Country to do like free. The first country ever to offer free sanitary products. Way to go, Scotland. Yeah, man. Why isn't the rest of the world like Scotland? What do they call Gilmore girls in Scotland? Gilmore girls. (laughs) (laughs) Oi. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So we have a little list of organizations that we just wanted to put out here because these are places that we feel are doing good things for sexual health and wellness. And then we're also going to link to these organizations in the description of this episode. So the first one, I'll, I'll just bring up this one. Um, it's an organization called Scarletine. They're a cool place. They teach inclusive, comprehensive, and supportive sexuality and relationship info for teens and young adults. They're all about inclusion, which is really cool. If you want to check them out, they are at scarletine.com. And then Josie has the next one. Yes, so Healing in Action, um, they're currently trying to push for an initiative here in Chicago to help provide more inclusive sex education uh, to the CPS youth in Chicago's south and west side communities. And some of the things that they would like to include are gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, behavior, race and disability, and also making sure that these programs are funded. So that's something that's happening now within the city. Um, There still are a lot of parts that we aren't getting any sort of comprehensive sex education, I should say. And um, next to that would be Planned Parenthood, which I'm sure many people have heard of, but honestly, they just have such amazing resources. Um, They have videos on consent, STD testing, safe sex practices. They also have like a text and chat program where you can get in touch with a professional who can guide you or answer any of the questions you may have. And this is such an important organization. Unfortunately, a lot of people associate it with being this abortion, uh, pro-abortion and whatnot, but that's such a small part of what they do. And their main purpose is to educate people and provide all these resources and provide uh, reproductive health care. And it's not just for women, you know, it's uh, for men as well, non-binary, non-conforming individuals. So it's it's really inclusive. And I believe here uh, it, on their website, it said that they reach up to 1.5 million people with education and outreach each year. And they really focus on topics like communication, which is something we talked about in this episode, decision-making, birth control, STI, healthy relationships, consent, body image, that's another thing, anatomy, and puberty. And they really want to push this whole idea that there's no one-size-fits-all when it comes to sex education. And I feel that's something that we've kind of focused on today. And also Howard Brown, 
which is an organization and they have clinics throughout the Chicagoland area. And their main aim is to eliminate disparities in health care um, experienced by the LGBTQ community. They offer a variety of, of services uh, from counseling to primary medical care, behavioral health, um, they do research, HIV and STI prevention, they offer a variety of youth services, elder services, and um, also community initiatives. And their focus is to serve men, women, trans, and gender non-conforming folks, um, even infants, youth, and children. Yes, and then I'm gonna um, sneak in the Chicago Period Project. Um, so they believe that all menstruating people should have reliable access to period supplies, and their goal is for the 29% of Chicago residents living below the poverty line to have healthy periods, and for them to raise awareness about the issue. So they distribute pads, tampons, underwear, and other menstruation supplies to local shelters, schools, and crisis support networks. That's, uh, those are our thoughts on sex ed, our sex ed that we had. Yes, and we definitely encourage, if, if you're a parent listening to this, just start thinking about how you, you're going to have these conversations and the importance of having these conversations with your kids. And, you know, as we mentioned, there's a ton of great resources where that guide you on doing this. Um, and we definitely recommend that we, we create this push for um, comprehensive sex classes so that people know how to keep themselves safe and keep their partners safe and just do things in the best way that they can. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thank yes. you for having me. Is there anything that you want to share? Maybe any projects or plug in any of your social media? Yeah, um, if anyone likes uh, horror films and, and scary shit, then check out Into the Void films. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over the place. You'll find us. All right, stay safe out there, everybody. And as always, if you have any thoughts or any other organizations that you'd like us to take a look at, um, you can feel free to send us an email at don'tremindmesj at gmail.com or if you just want to share like a weird thing that you learned in sex ed. Um, I love and hate those stories, so bring them on. Yeah, definitely. Feel free to reach out and if you have any questions, we're not professionals, but we can try directing you to good resources if we can figure them out for you. So um, stay safe, everyone. Take care. Peace out. Bye. Bye-bye.